Hatan, Ashush, a duck. A dramatic start to David Warner's farewell tour. What can we expect next? Former Australian Test captain Michael Clark's concerns over the future of Test cricket. We celebrate the GOAT. And where to from here for Pakistan? Can they regroup ahead of the Boxing Day Test? Let's go around the wicket. Hello and welcome to Around the Wicket. Great to have your company. I'm Narrily Meadows. We've got Hall of Famer Lisa Stalaker with us. World Cup winning captain, the first of his kind for Australia in the men's side of things in the T20 game, Aaron Finch. And Michael Clark will join us shortly. But Lisa, I want to know, what did you learn from the first test Australia up against Pakistan? Well, I think we were hoping that Pakistan would fight a little bit more than what they did. First two days were good and then they kind of capitulated. So... Um, Fingers crossed they can get it right for the MCG. All out for 89, a loss by 360 runs within four days. The player of the match is a wonderful story. Back mm. at his home test at Perth Stadium, and that is, of course, Mitch Marsh. He scored 90, 63 not out, and, of course, got the key wicket of Barbarazm yeah. as well. A great mate of yours. How did you sum up his performance in the second coming of Mitch Marsh, really? Well, a lot of are calling it a second coming, I think. The way that he's playing is as impressive as the results that he's getting at the moment. I think batting at number six, he said that he has no interest in opening the batting, which has been a topic for a little while now of who's going to do that next. But I think what's been so impressive is just the attitude that he's taken into it. He's taking the game on. He's somebody who is an amazing teammate and brings the change room together. He's not somebody who... Uh, takes the game or his life or anything else too seriously. So just a wonderful person and, and great results for him and, and great reward. For some reason, the public weren't always on board with mm. Mitch Marsh, but behind the scenes, can you give us a bit of an insight just to how important he is to a team environment? I think what he brings to the team is he brings a lot of people together. He's, he never, he's like Switzerland. He never, sits, <laughs> he, he never takes a, a side. He's always just in the middle. He, he takes the mickey out of himself at his own expense. Uh, so he's just somebody who is great to have around the team. He'll always provide a laugh. When things get stressful or tense, he's the person that, that will often break that. And uh, it's just perfect in, in such a high-pressure environment. Well, after this short break, you don't go anywhere because we're going to look ahead to the future of Test cricket. And Michael Clark has some strong opinions on this. Plus, of course, we need to celebrate Nathan Lyon. He brought up that 500-wicket Test Hall, just the eighth man to do so. That's coming up next around the wicket. Well, I don't. Pat didn't want to review it. <laughs> Nathan's mumbling away. He doesn't say anything. Um, no. Um... I know I was quietly confident that I would hit leg, um, hoping that it was all Very good. quietly confident. <laughs> um, but, no, it's one of those things that uh, reviews, they're always nervous, no matter what. So, um, no, all in all, pretty happy. There, you saw what it was. The nice little quiet shush. No, it's just anyone who wants to write stories about me and you know, trying to use headlines, get headlines. That, that stuff doesn't bother me. It's just the fact that I have to go out there, do what I have to do, and I'm allowed to celebrate how I want. 
I'm not going to lie, he sounds a little bothered <laughs> by it. Michael Clark, former Australian <laughs> Test captain, joins us now. Pup, what do you think about Davey Warner and that shush? Because as a man like yourself who's spent plenty of time in the public eye and a lot of a public opinion, what would he be feeling at the moment this summer, mm. do you think? Uh, I like the whole I'm not bothered, but then he gave whoever he was bothered by a shush. Uh, I think he is bothered. I think he's copped some criticism (laughs) over the past probably couple of years about his test form. Uh, And I think that's a little bit of, you know, be careful criticising a grade of the game, which he's right. He is entitled to. You know what? It's it's part and parcel. You play sport at the highest level, there's going to be praise, there's going to be criticism. Um, And I just hope that Davey acknowledges that, you know, majority of the criticism, I think, over the past probably 12 months that Davies copped has been around his test form. Um, There was a lot of talk about his form against England and particularly Stuart Broad, and uh, he didn't perform as well as he would have liked. So I think he's, he's got to cop that... Um, on the chest and, and not care too much about it. There's obviously a little bit of stuff leading into the first test with Mitchell Johnson's column. Um, and I think it was Ed Cowan as well that come out and said he was a walking wicket. So there might be a bit of that there as well. But it's all part and parcel. I don't think David did anything wrong. I said, uh, you know, in our last episode that I think he handled it really well. He didn't bite back at Mitch. He allowed, you know, the media and past players to do their thing. And the only thing he had to focus on was walking out and making runs. And he batted like a genius. Yes, he had a little bit of luck. But day one at the Wacker, generally tough for batting. Um, He did what was most important and put runs on the board. And when you do that, then if he wants to tell some people to shush or get really excited when he makes 100 or, you know, do whatever he wants to do, then good luck to him. 164 in the first innings and then a duck. But it poses the question, do you think he could backtrack and actually play on past the SCG test? Yeah, I do. I do because I I said before, um, I think the reason he announced his retirement was because he wasn't making any runs in test cricket. So he wanted probably mentally to give himself a finish line. Um, he went, then he went over to India in the World Cup campaign and batted like a genius, got his form back. And now he's come back to Australia. And, you know, I said again in our last episode, I wouldn't be surprised if Davey's not the leading run scorer at the end of this Pakistan series. He'll be very close to it. And he started with a bang. So if he goes you know, 100 in Perth, 100 in Melbourne, 100 in Sydney, it wouldn't surprise me if he does, you know, take that back and say he wants to keep playing. Um, there's a bit of talk around his replacement as well. And, look, I think the most important thing for the selectors is they need to be very strategic around a number of the Australian players because they're at a similar age that they don't lose them all at once. So I'm not saying Davey's got to go at the end of Pakistan. If that's what he wants to do and thinks it's right, then so be it. Uh, if he changes his mind and wants to keep playing, then that's a conversation with the selectors behind closed doors because I think they have to think about... Where's Warner age-wise? Where's Kawaja, Smith, Labashane, Travis Head? You know, our fast bowlers, our three quicks, Nathan Lyon, they're all very similar sort of age bracket where I don't think we can afford to lose everyone or a number of players in one go, like we did in 2007. You know, we lost a lot of the greats all within that six-month, 12-month period. So, yeah, I think there's some thinking to do and what a good problem to have. You know, if Davey's making runs and decides to change his mind, well... 
again, I think that's a conversation for the selectors. But I'm really happy for him that he walked out and got 100 in that first innings. Uh, set the game up for Australia, really. And a happy birthday on that note to Usman Khawaja as well. Turned 37 yesterday in those ageing yeah. test stars. So David Warner moves into fifth all-time on the Australian run scorer list, passing our own pup as well as Matthew Hayden as well into that position. What do you think? You're great mates with him. Could he backtrack on the retirement call? Oh, he certainly could, but he won't. Mm. You don't think he will? Absolutely he won't. I think it's a, it's been a decision that he's made... Like Pup said, his form wasn't the greatest at the time, but he's made that decision based on what he wants mm. to do with his family, give it, give it a little bit more freedom, a little bit more flexibility going forward to be able to play some T20 leagues and, and be able to have a little bit more longevity in the game. And um, Yes, he would love to play Test cricket, but I think it's a decision that he's very, very comfortable with. Nathan Lyon, he's 500 Test wicket. He is an anxious person. That is how his teammates all describe him. I did a long-form interview with him a couple of years ago where he said, at the time I'd played 99 Test matches and I'd made my debut 85 times. For him to get to this milestone is a remarkable story, Pup, and you captain him a lot through Test cricket. How have you seen his rise, his story, his development? Yeah, look, I couldn't be happier for Lino. He's, he's a great guy, a great team man, and his game's improved at the highest level, which is not easy to do. When he first came into the Australian team, he could only bowl around the wicket to right-handers. He didn't feel comfortable bowling over the wicket. So even that, for a right-arm finger spinner, um, you know, very hard to play at the highest level if, if you're limited, limited to only bowling one side of the wicket. But his growth, I think his hard work at training, and not just about bowling balls, but bowling to get better, um, bowling against different batsmen in the nets, uh, changing his speed, using his, you know, when I say variation, it's really where he bowls from on the crease. He's got great pace, great speed in the air. So, again, I think the shorter forms of, probably helped his test cricket as well in using that that change of pace. Um, and, yeah, look, his record's phenomenal. For, for, for a right-arm finger spinner, uh, I know he's got whatever he calls it, the, I don't know, the douche or the one that spins the other way. I don't know what Lino calls it, but it, it, he bowls it rarely. He's really just been successful with basic fundamentals of, a, of an off spinner, of a finger spinner. Both sides of the wicket, change of pace, some drift, um, gets great bounce. That's probably his greatest strength. But then also the skill to be successful all around the world, to be able to adapt when the wicket spins big. He spins it a long way, goes to places like the Gabba where it doesn't spin much, utilises bounce. Um, I think he's improved in regards to setting his own fields as well. He's got a lot more confidence now in his game, knowing he can bowl fifth over the game or come on when they're, you know, none for 200 and get that breakthrough for Australia. So growth at the highest level is underrated and Lino has been exceptional with that. And interestingly, he even helped Josh Hazelwood take a wicket as well with those field placements and the tactics as well. So he's getting confident in, in that area of the game. Pat Cummins did the maths lease and mm. said if he plays to 40, picks up around four wickets uh, at a match, but, then he can get to 700 and, and get to those Shane Warne levels. What do you reckon? I think it's certainly on the cards. I, I think the fact that when he got injured during the Ashes, it really hurt him. And maybe even... And hurt the team. Yeah, but it also probably gave him a bit more time just to prepare physically 
physically and a bit of time out of the game, which is important to keep balanced and fresh mm. and ready to go. He certainly got the hunger and desire. And to back up what Michael was saying, like his drift, like we when we look at Australian pitchers, they're not built for finger spinners, so to speak. Mm. And they've um, been a graveyard for opposition who bring any kind of spin here. Correct. Yeah, interesting. And so for him to be able to perform so well over such a long period of time, his stock ball is the best in the world on any condition. And that's mm. why he's up there as one of the best. And of course, he'll take that ball that he took the 500 wicket with and put it in a cherished position somewhere, which brings up the topic of memorabilia. And we had a really fascinating moment in the NBA for anyone who follows basketball. Giannis Antetokounmpo um, had 64 points up against the Pacers. He wanted the game ball, but the opposition team took the game ball. He sprinted into the opposition, the opposition rooms and demanded it back, and he's still not sure if he got the right game ball or not. So in the America, it's, in America, it's even more important to get that piece of memorabilia. Do you have a piece of memorabilia that you hold really special to you, Finchie? Obviously, a bag of green is, is really special, but something that's personal has never really been my, my thing. Probably the 2015 World Cup shirt, uh, that we won the final in at the MCG. That's probably my, my favourite and my most prized one. But uh, anyone who comes to my house will notice that it's not up on the wall or anything because it's not in a framed case because there's one person that hasn't signed it. Oh. Uh, and that would happen to be you, Captain <laughs> Michael Clark, who is still yet to sign my oh, 2015 really? shirt. And I want to get it done. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. I was probably in no state to sign anything. No, after okay. that. Well, I hope we can spell my name, to be honest. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a couple of shirts with, that, that do have your signature on it, but uh, the one that, that the, the great security guard, Frank DeMarcy, writes out and everyone signs, there's just one signature missing. So I'll get that to you and I'd I'll like sign it returned, it for you, please, buddy, ASAP. For sure. Called out on air. <laughs> happy to. I love to, that. Called to, out on air. To. Also, I, I remember seeing you that night. I saw you that night, Pup, and you did celebrate in fine fashion as well. It's some of your best form that we've uh, seen across the years. Let's get back to the serious stuff. Yeah. Uh, Pakistan, of course, led by Shan Massoud. If you were the Pakistan captain, they've got the two-day tour match up against Victoria that they've hastily organised ahead of the Boxing Day test. What are you saying to get the troops up and going, and what can you get out of that tour match? Well, I'm begging for Santa Claus if I'm Pakistan. They're in deep trouble. Honestly, I don't know how the result changes for Pakistan. I feel like their bowling attacks short speed, like speed through the air in Australia I think you need, particularly at the MCG. Um, and their batting under pressure just looks so vulnerable. Uh, and, and now Australia's got confidence, you know, to bowl them out for, what was it, 89 in the second innings. Um, oh, dear. Oh, oh. They need to find something, and I hope they do. Um, more for the fans, for the viewers, you know, for the people to turn up for four days or five days if it goes that long and, and for us to watch it on television. But, yeah, I don't know. They, they need to dig deep. They need some senior players to really stand up and lead from the front. And with the bat, someone just has to dig in. I think somebody just has to commit to batting for you know, 40 overs, not caring too much about scoring runs, but just digging in and let the other players play around them because it looks like they all want to play shots, but someone needs to bat some time um, to be their foundation. So I'd like to sit here and think things are going to change um, for Test Cricket's perspective, but I'm extremely nervous, to be honest. Yeah, I think especially with 
the drop-in wickets now. We don't see any reverse swing mm. in Australia anymore. Maybe the SCG mm. where, where you've got the big dry square. But MCG, the, those wickets have so much uh, thatchy grass on them either side. So they don't, uh, they don't reverse swing either. So that, that's real trouble signs for Pakistan, mm. I think. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch this Boxing Day test unfold. But what about the test future and the future of test cricket more broadly, Pup? You've got some concerns. Oh, look, it's funny because I think, well, test cricket's the pinnacle for me. Always has been, always will be. And I think I've heard it a lot over probably the last four or five years that, you know, a lot is determined around what India do and which way they go. If they continue to enjoy test cricket, then it will survive. And I guess that's probably been... Uh, in the front of my mind. And then I had a, I went to a Christmas lunch for my radio show on Friday. We were sitting in a pub, a sports pub, and there must have been 20 TVs there. And on the, you know, far right TV um, that no one could really see was the Test Match. And on every other television was the NFL. And I was like, I can't believe the start of the Australian summer, the first Test Match, we're sitting around this pub and, you know, cricket is not on the main part of, the, of all these televisions, certainly not on the big screen. And then you watch the test match like I did. And, and like I say, it, it wasn't a good watch, you know. And that's I don't want to take any away from the Aussies. They played brilliantly, don't get me wrong. And we've seen worse test matches or lower scores or teams bowled out for less amount of runs. But I just feel the Australian public particularly is craving good competitive test cricket and... I'm really nervous this summer. The way Pakistan started, like I say, and now they're down on confidence. And then we've got, you know, two test matches against the West Indies. Jeez, I, I don't know. I, I've never probably been as nervous as I am about test cricket in this country. Um, I understand we've got a lot of sport. We've got the BBL that's, that's up and going as well. And school holidays are, are starting. So I'm really interested to see, you know, the Boxing Day test match turnout numbers-wise versus the BBL through that period. But even numbers at the Wacker, um, what do we have? I think I wrote it down, 16,000, 17,000, 15,000, 9,000 for day four. That's not a positive start to the summer. So I want to be wrong. Don't get me wrong. I want Test Cricket to still be the pinnacle in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, but this summer is going to be extremely tough for us. And I think we're going to get a really good look in regards to what parents do. If they can only afford to take their kid to a day of Test Match Cricket or a BBL game, I got a funny feeling it's going to be BBL. Yeah, looking at Test cricket and and looking at how competitive other teams are, a lot of and we're coming up against West Indies after the new year. A lot of their players have gone to T20 leagues. So a way to potentially get around it is almost to follow how women's cricket is and how they got Test cricket back in, and that's a multi-format series. Mm. So create points for the ODIs, the tests, the one-off tests and T20s. And then you've got um, a competition over three different formats that will allow it to be a little bit more competitive because we know the best teams will perform really well in test cricket, but T20 brings two teams together because one person could have a day out. So that may be the, the way forward for the future of test cricket with the sides that aren't necessarily in that top bracket. I don't mind that idea, I've got to say. Yeah, I think you still need your your test t uh, sorry your test ranking points yep. going in one direction, your ODI rankings and the T20 rankings. So it's worth having a look at though, because like you said, 
Test cricket is something that is starting to thrive in the women's game. And, and if it's starting to diminish in the men's game, that's real trouble signs. Michael Clark, thank you as mm. always for your thoughts. We'll be catching up with you in a couple of days' time to really hone in Thanks, on that guys. Boxing Day test and get your thoughts ahead of Australia up against Pakistan in the second test. Lise, you brought it up already, but test cricket in the women's is back and we're going to be talking about that shortly. Elisa Healy, her era as skipper begins. Welcome to Around the Wicket. Lisa, you were just talking about the importance of test cricket in the women's game. Well, we're about to start a test in a couple of days' time up against India under the captaincy of Elisa Healy, and she has returned. She's fit. She's ready to go. How important is this test match to the future of women's cricket in India against India? Well, it's huge. Um, we just saw India play England. India came out on top, I think, 347 runs uh, victory, so biggest margin in test cricket. As a player, you want to play the hardest format, which is Test Cricket, and you want to play in the hardest conditions, which is India. So all of a sudden, this Australian group have an opportunity to do it. And as you mentioned, Elisa Healy, they had a practice game. She uh, scored 50. Beth Mooney scored 50. Phoebe Litchfield, 43. Um, the main thing is that uh, Elisa Healy was good to go after um, the hand surgery. That kind of ruled her out. And I was worried... I with her dogs. Yes. And I saw the injury and I thought she's going to struggle to hold the bat, but uh, good thing is that she's able to do that and um, score runs freely. Lucky she doesn't hold it too tight with her bottom <laughs> hand. <laughs> That's the only hand that she, she uses. She said all of a sudden she's learned how to use the top hand. She goes, well, what, where was it for the rest of the... For my whole career. Imagine how good she would have been. Learning to every single injury and setback. We love that. Finchie, you're obviously playing for the Melbourne Renegades. You've had quite a break in between mm. games with the Test match. On that very point, given that we always knew that there was a high likelihood that the Test was going to finish early, within four days or even early on day five, yes, it was in Perth, but should they have, a, have had a big bash game scheduled on that last day? Absolute no-brainer for me. I think the amount of test matches that are going mm. deep into day five are so minimal these days. So, yeah, it just would have been made a lot of sense, I think. It's one to watch, isn't it, with the big bash? It's quite a break between these games. And if you want to get the momentum going, you kind of need those sort of moments. But we go from Australia to overseas and the Indian Premier League, an important time at the moment. The auction's about to happen. Australian players are likely to get picked up. But there's been some huge news. Five-time championship winning captain Rohit Sharma is no longer the captain of the Mumbai Indians. If you're not familiar in Australia, Finchie, tell us why that's so significant and why the fans are so angry about Hardik Pandya coming back from Gujarat and to Mumbai and taking the captaincy reins. Well, I think the, the fans are very happy that he's come back mm, to play yes. for Mumbai, but just the fact that Rohit Sharma, I don't think, got the opportunity to do it on his own terms. And, and I think that's, that's where a lot of people have taken issue with it. The amount of public interest in the Mumbai Indians is absolutely huge and I mean they're passionate, they're passionate and I think if Rohit was able to do it on his own terms and, and come out and say you know what, I think the, the next generation of Mumbai Indians will be better served with me being, almost helping Hardik Pandya take mm. the team forward, I think it would have been a lot better received Ever expected a Melbourne Renegades top to be burnt like that? <laughs> Maybe when I retire soon <laughs> He wishes. Come on now. But I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I, I think. I think the main thing is in India, the fans follow a person. Mm. So even so, they no matter where they go, it, it's the person that is the key. So Rohit Sharma, captain of Mumbai Indians. That's what. 
has drawn lots of people to follow them. So removing him like this um, is a big thing. Superstardom in India. It is one to watch for next year's IPL, no doubt about it. Well, up next, we're going to tackle the short stuff on Around the Wicket. Time to take on the short stuff. Lisa Stalaker, should Test Cricket Out West return to the Wacker? Well, I originally thought when Perth Stadium was built that it would only be there for the India and England Test Series and all Big Bash. But I know the Wacker's getting regenerated and built up. So I, I actually think for the lesser known or ones that aren't going to bring the crowd in, go back to the Wacker. I agree. I love the Wacker. Yeah. I think it's one of my favourite places to play around the world. Take it back there. Childhood memory, mm. sitting on the hill at the Wacker, drawing my favourite players. Oh, I love those moments. They tried to get the hill in the Perth Stadium. Yeah, but there just wasn't enough people to sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. A bit of debate over the player of the match. We spoke about Mitch Marsh earlier and how impressive he was, but should it have been David Warner? Did they get it right? I think you've got to take the circumstances and the build-up up to it. You go purely on match, and Mitch Marsh performed well in both innings and with the ball. I agree with that. David's innings was great in, in difficult conditions, but I think equally as, as good as his 90 was in the first dig, that was a really important 60 in the second innings as well for Mitch Marsh because Australia were in a little bit of trouble. They probably had enough runs anyway at the time, but you never want to wobble like that in a, in a third innings particularly, so... Right call for me. Mitch's mow and mullet. Stick with it or leave it. His wife doesn't want him to keep it. I like it. I love it. Keep it, Mitch. <laughs> Get rid of the mullet. Keep the mow. Ooh, a bit of compromise. But, but it's I not like a big it. mullet. It's not a big no, no, Cam no. Smith type mullet. It's just a little Mitch Marsh it's mullet. It's just a little, yeah. little, little party at the back. Yeah. Little party at the back. Yeah. Speaking of mows, Travis Head. He's the vice captain now alongside Steve Smith. Will he be the next captain? Looks like it, doesn't it? Co-vice captain seems assured of the playing eleven. 29 years of age, so he's still got a long time to go. And finally, giant logos on test kits. Do you take the money or do you leave it? Take the money. Be a little bit more subtle with it. But you can't be subtle. You can. (laughs) You definitely can't be subtle. Thanks for joining us on Around the Wicket. We'll see you in a couple of days' time ahead of the Boxing Day test.